It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Mark Madden, before we go to the star of the show, let's pitch to Brad Nestler of CBS while Alabama was beating Georgia in the SEC championship game. As my old friend Rick Flair used to say, to be the man, you got to beat the man. Yeah. So far, you can't beat the man. Well, so far is the key word, right? Now, I don't think Rick Flair thinks Alabama is quote unquote the man, but boy, what a tribute by. Brad Nessler, and uh, he's right. Alabama, everybody picked Georgia, but Alabama's yep. the SEC power, and they certainly proved it at least for one more day. Absolutely. Probably won that kid in the Heisman Trophy, too. Well, what about your old buddy Brad? He came through, man. That's awesome. He did. He always does. He's always mentioned me. He's a tremendous guy. Now, before we start talking wrestling, we're going to talk about Vader in just a second, take a deep dive into Rick's rivalry with him. But but first off, you are a Michigan guy. Yes. You're a coach Jim Harbaugh guy. Yes. And we know the seedings now for the college football playoff. And I think Michigan got screwed. I think Michigan should have been the number one seed and should be playing Cincinnati. Now they got a much tougher game with Georgia. Yeah, well, I agree. But either way, they either had to beat Alabama or they had to beat Georgia. I think they can beat Cincinnati. I think either, any of the other teams can too. I think Cincinnati's the clear-cut fourth seed. In fact, I think if Cincinnati had lost to Notre Dame or if Cincinnati and Notre Dame hadn't even played, which gave Cincinnati, admittedly, a very impressive win, I think Notre Dame would be the fourth team. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I'm, I'm all about Cincinnati being in there. I think it's great. They're undefeated. They deserve to be there. But I don't think that um, – I think it's the strength of schedule for the other three programs puts them ahead of Cincinnati. Then that's the only difference. No question. And, and it'll all play out in the playoffs. But let's move on to what everybody showed up for, and that's wrestling talk. And we're going to jump right to our friends and foes segment uh, immediately. And the foe is a, a very memorable opponent of yours 
uh, the late Leon White, better known as Vader. Uh, what was it like to work with the guy that big Nate? Was Vader dangerous to work with? Was he no. one of the hardest hitters you've ever worked with? One of the hardest hitters, but not dangerous at all. Um, I mean, when you got a guy 500 or 400 pounds, you know, jumping off the top rope on you, he was always, I, I always knew where he was. I felt very comfortable with him. He liked to rough you up a little bit, you know, but if you fought back, that, that ended really quickly. It took me a while to learn that, but, um, you know, that's that old school, once you wrestled in Japan, because that's what they do in Japan. They're like, they did back in that time frame, like to rough you up a little bit and, uh, you either fought back or you got eaten alive. So with Vader, especially that night in uh, Charlotte with him, he was—he didn't want to lose the title. You know, you can imagine, oh, God, Ric Flair is going to get the title again. And, you know, you know that played out for me during that period of time in my life. But um, we ended up having a good match, and uh, um, you know, I've, I've always—I've always thought of Lee Hines being a really good worker. Um, I think that. Uh, some people took issue with how physical he was, but God, after wrestling Brody and Hanson and all these guys over the years, I didn't, I didn't have an issue with it. I just, on that particular night, I had to fight back a lot. Well, imagine if Leon were still around today, what people would say about working with him. It's just a different time today. And we're going to talk about the match Rick's referring to, which is Starcade 93 in just a moment. But Leon's strength aside, his agility for a big man was frightening. I thought in many ways that was his calling card. Well, that 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 along with the fact that people have to remember, All-American of Colorado, first round pick of the Rams. So the kid's an athlete, right? You know what I mean? He was an All-American football player at UC. And then uh, I, I believe he was the first round pick of the Rams. So it was obviously a good athlete, which brings a lot to the table which, you know, lent to the fact that he was, I felt extremely safe because he did a lot of stuff that could be, that, that, could, that, that could hurt you if, if he wasn't careful. Now, you, you mentioned Stark. I, I'm, not, I'm not saying it wasn't in there, but, it, it, you know, I didn't end up in the hospital <laughs> any time. Well, you mentioned Stark K-93, which was a huge match. And that match was originally supposed to be Vader versus Sid Vicious. Yeah. But, uh, but Sid got pulled from the match because he got in that very famous altercation with Arn Anderson. I believe that was in England, wasn't it? Yes. Yeah, I, I wasn't there. I was there. But I didn't see it. But that was, you know, I I get along with Sid now. I didn't even know why, why the conversation was the way it was. I've heard from Regal that Arn was sticking up for me because Vader kept, or uh, Sid kept saying, you know, Flair's too old, he needs to needs to move along. Well, I wasn't even a champion. So, I'm, I mean, I felt, I think at that point in time that guys like Sid, not guys, a few guys, just felt like I needed to be gone from the business. So, you know, I've talked about with Sid and it, it's okay. I won't, I don't, I don't bear any hard feelings towards him. Um, he has suffered one of the most horrific injuries I've ever seen in the ring. Uh, Trying that kick that broke his leg in half. Um, just, just horrible. Yeah, yeah, and, and that was um, Johnny Ace gave that to him, and it's you know it's something you haven't done before, and in it you're gonna be your new finish. And then you've got to practice it a couple of times. It's, it's not to happen on live TV, you know. What I mean, it was terrible. I and I'll always uh, have a special place um, in my heart for anybody that's been hurt that badly in the ring. I mean, like, 
I've gotten to be good friends with TJ, Natty's husband. I look at Arn, and that's from a victory role from Marty Gennetti. All these years later, Arn has got that those neck issues that you know basically left his left hand. Um, you know, where it's like this. Does that make sense? Rather than a regular hand. Right. So with all the stuff that I've had and gone through my career, I'm, I'm really lucky. Because I certainly, I can remember the guys that dumped me on my head. You, you never forget those. The ones that dump <laughs> me in your head, you never forget. But um, and anyway, getting back to Leon, he, he's just a big rugged guy. He didn't want to lose that night. And uh, I, I think he thought that, um, uh, you know, that it was beneath him to put me over at that point in my career. But they went with it. It was a natural. It was in Charlotte. And they, it was one of the few times you'd ask me about it earlier. It's one of the few times. My parents only got to see me wrestle three times in my career. I invited them the night that they came to Kansas City when I beat Dusty for the title the first time. They came to a show in Minneapolis. And then they were the, at that night in, in Charlotte, as was my whole family. So that was really a, a uni, unique special occasion um, only equaled by the night with Sean at WrestleMania where all my family was in the front row. Now, I thought that the sell job, the packaging, the build-up to you versus Ray, uh, Vader yeah. at Starcade, which was, of course, you putting up your career against the world title. I thought that was done brilliantly because there was so much heat for that match and so much interest. Yeah. But everybody knew you were going to win. I mean, everybody knew you weren't done at that point. How did that match get over so big when, you know, like I said, I thought the result was obvious. Well, I don't know if they thought the result was obvious or not. You never know back then because they put me in so many precarious positions over the years, Mark. You <laughs> know what I mean? <laughs> that wasn't like that was the first time that uh, I said I was going to retire. Remember, we did that with Hulk in the cage in Detroit. You were there that night, too. Um, I, I don't know what the event was. I wrestled Hulk. With, Halloween uh, Havoc. Yeah, Halloween Havoc. Muhammad Ali yeah, was there. Remember about my career was on the line there too. Right, right. Yeah, Tommy Hearns was there. It was it was a hell of a night. It was fun. And and Hulk and I always, you know, made made music. Sherry Martell put on one of the most phenomenal performances of all time. And Jimmy Hart was there. It was it was really entertaining. And of course, Hulk's always fun to work with. And it was sold out. So Right, as as was Charlotte with Vader. And it's worth noting that Harley Race was Vader's manager. That was on the 10th anniversary yeah. of the first Starcade, which was you taking the title from Harley. Yeah. So I guess it kind of felt like things had come full circle that night. Exactly. Harley, here's Harley. Ricky, if you don't get that big fat baby back, I'll never talk to you again. <laughs> <laughs> As he's throwing me back in the ring. Right, that was literally at ringside, yeah. correct? Oh, yeah, you would pick me. Vader pitched him out to he pitched me out to Harley. I can't remember what Harley did, but he crappy. He said, "If you don't get that big fat baby back, I'll never talk to you again." <laughs> I thought Harley was a great manager, you know, because of his promo ability. How did he feel about doing that job? Some some ex wrestlers, you know, take to that, like it. Some don't. Oh, he loved it because at that point in his career, all he had to do was have fun. You know what I mean? He wasn't called upon to get in the ring every night, even though he could. Remember, he did the dive off the top rope during that match for the the flying headbutt. Uh, just having Harley race around anything made it more authentic. And you and you know the reason for that, Mark. I mean, we we could talk about Harley 
for 10 episodes of this, this program and never get all the stories in. No, no, for sure. Literally, the toughest guy, he used to tell Vader, shut up, you big fat baby. <laughs> hey, and, and Lee, Leon never said a word back to him. <laughs> oh, no. I mean, as big as Leon was and as old as Harley was at that point in the fight between those two, there was only going to be one winner. No one going to be a fight because Leon wasn't going to fight him. That, that's what I mean. And, uh, and uh, nor, nor was anybody in our dressing room going to fight him. <laughs> now, uh, as you mentioned a moment ago, your mom and dad were there. And that was, if memory serves, that was one of the first times you put your family on camera. You did a few vignettes yes. when you were leaving your house at Charlotte to go to the match. And, yep. you know, your career was on the line. What was that like doing that for the first time? And, and do you regret it at all looking back? Absolutely not. Those are some of the greatest memories of my life. I mean, to have them all there and to see, um, you know, both my girls so successful right now. Who would have ever thought that uh, Ashley would grow up to become Charlotte? And Megan is uh, married to Conrad, and they're, they have a fabulous relationship, a fabulous marriage. My son's got two beautiful grandchildren, or two beautiful children in Charlotte. And, you know, we lost a little man along the way, but he was... He, he loved the business, and he would have been great at it. And then, of course, look look at the guy I'm standing next to, Gene Oakland, the greatest of all time. Yeah, that's that's just a heck of a picture there. Yeah, and, uh, it is. I think that was the first time I met Ashley, too, if, yeah. if memory serves. I think. Did or she, Did she or, take you down? <laughs> she could now. <laughs> I can tell you that with, with no problem whatsoever. <laughs> now, you, you, you did the match, and this is what was great about that match. I, I, watched, I watched the match on YouTube to bone up for – Talking about it, and you did that match as a total babyface underdog. Yeah, which is so yep. rare for you. You won with the roll up. What was it like to, to to work the match that way? Because you did great, but that was kind of a foreign concept to you. Not that you had never done it, but you had rarely done it. Well, I just hate working babyface period because I, I my skills were so limited. I'm a, I'm a heel, and that <clears throat> I have worked babyface obviously a lot. Um, just because the company made me, but I'm, I did, I, I'm, I'm not, a, I don't have the, I don't have offensive skills to, that, that are required at that level of work to have ever been great. I mean, I can't do the stuff that Steamboat and Sean and God, so many other great bay faces could do. See, see, I know what you, I know what you're saying, but, but when you were popular and you were always popular, even as a heel, I mean, first off, I think you're overestimating your shortcomings as a babyface worker. Second off, I think if there was even a slight lack in that regard, the crowd more than made up for it every time. That well, that that was my home. That was my in my back pocket. The crowd, <laughs> I knew how to get them. Uh, it, you know, it's funny. You get to the point when in in, in your life when you're fighting for your life, <laughs> literally trying to keep up with the booking. You learn how to how to how to you know put yourself in, in or bring yourself you present yourself in the worst case scenario, and that's what I had to learn how to do. Not with Leon by any means, but in just the various situations. So I knew going in that Leon didn't we didn't talk before the match, <laughs> and so it was right up to right up you know to maybe five minutes before we went out there that they came up with the roll-up, and I was fine. I didn't care. Um, but, you know, it, just, it was sour grapes again. Here, I got Ric Flair as the world champion again. Why is that happening? But 
I don't think there's anybody on the roster that night that could have given him a better match than me. Oh no, no way! I mean that. It, it, no, 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 knowing knowing that he had to put somebody over, he was not. He wasn't cooperating. Yeah, well, you got a bloody mouth out of it. That's evident in the yeah. pictures and on the video. Where do you remember specifically when you got the bloody mouth? Oh, I don't know if you went. I I blacked both his eyes. I mean, I was hit I, outside. You can see the exchange outside the ring. Maybe 20 minutes into the match, where I had to light him up because he was beat. He was beating this, you know, beating the crap out of me. Not 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 my body, but you know, hit me so hard in the ears, and I'd had that inner ear problem. So I said, "Okay, man, if we're doing this, we'll do it." But the minute I started hitting him back, he loosened up. So it, that's the way it is in the business. Very rarely does that happen, but when it does, you've either got to <laughs> you've got to accept it, or you got to fight. You got to fight back. Now, now. The the analysis of your babyface work aside, you've always hated being a babyface, not just because of the work either. Why? Why? Aside from the work, the different style of work, why do you hate it? Because I don't like to be humble. <laughs> I'm terrible going, oh, I hope I can do this. I hope I can do that. I'd rather say, you know, I'm this, I'm that. You know what I mean? You can't. All the stuff that came so natural to me and my and the arrogance and the things that I, the way I actually live my life, it's hard to do that and still be, and still be, um, you know, come across as somewhat of a humble guy or, you know, look for their, the only guy I've ever seen that could do that, um, going back to what I was saying, it could be as, he, he never had to change anything, uh, was, um, was Steve Austin. He, no matter what Steve did, right, he didn't have to change anything, and, they, and the fans loved him. Uh, and that, especially when it came to that stuff with um, um, uh, with uh, Vince McMahon, when, when they had that, you know, phenomenal run against each other, that um, where Steve was clearly the babyface, and Vince was Vince was at that point in time the, the best heel in the business. Now. Meltzer gave that match four and a half stars and called it mm -hmm. a defining moment for you and your most memorable title win. That was at the time. Mm -hmm. Do you agree with that assessment? Um, say that to me one more time. He gave it four and a half stars out of five. Mm -hmm. and said it was a defining moment in your career and your uh, best title win to that point. Best title win ever in my career at that point? No, no, to that point in your career. Most memorable were the exact words he used. Oh, yeah, I'll, I'll go along with that, absolutely. But for the emotion that was brought to it, my family being there and everybody, um, yeah, I think it was absolutely um, a defining moment in my career. And it certainly, you know, it gave me that position again. But I'll, I'll give you an example of, of where, where I was. And this is the kind of stuff that, that you th think back on over the years when you bring us to the next night when I was, um, it was um, Jeff Jarrett and I against uh, the Steiners the next night in Columbia and, and Scott Steiner sent over that I'm, I'm, I'm not putting him over. Terry Taylor with the H and he said, what do I do? I said, do whatever you want to do. The very next night. Yep. Wow. What, what, what finish did you do? I can't remember. We didn't, when, I didn't go over. <laughs> Wow. Yeah, that, 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 that's the way the company was run, though. They, you know, they just did what they wanted to do. Well, maybe maybe Jeff put him over, right? I mean, that's what Jeff was there for anyway. Um, I don't know. But, I mean, first of all, why? Rick, I'm just taking a shot at Jeff. I hope he hears it. Oh, oh yeah. I like Jeff. 
Oh, I do too. Yeah, I can't. I don't know what the finish was, but what I'm saying is that I just become the world champion. The next night, I'm in a tag match, which made no sense anyway. Why I'm in a tag match? And then, um, you know, they, they didn't want to. They didn't want to. Uh, didn't want to put me over. So that, that's. That, I was at that point. It was with you know with Steiner and a couple other guys. It, it just became a war. It wasn't worth it. Well, we'll talk a lot more about Scott Stein and your relationship with him in a, in a future episode, but I want to stay with uh, with Vader in that match. Now, I was in the crowd that night, front row. I had a running conversation with Missy Hyde during the Nasty Boys match, which was very memorable. Uh, it's your hometown, Charlotte. I mean, the setting could not have been better, right? I mean, no. besides your family, the heat was incredible. That was one of the few wrestling matches I've ever been at where it felt like a real sporting event, where the people were legitimately invested in the result and not just suspending disbelief. Yeah, yeah. well, this goes back to Dusty. Uh, as a matter of fact, AEW did the same exact angle with Cody about a year and a half ago when he was going for the world title, you remember? Yes. They left us home, and that, that was all. You know, Dusty was great at choreographing stuff like that. And Gene come to the house, the limousine ride, the conversation about it. And I think that made it, you know, I think, I think it made it viably believable that that I would retire. Oh yeah, the set the setup the setup allowed you to think it might happen. Yeah, yeah. As a matter of fact, I don't. I think they would have gone. Uh, we would even if Vader beat me, we would have gotten a standing ovation. I thought the match was that good. Now it was certainly it was certainly that solid. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was certainly impactful in in every way the word can be defined. Now. Why didn't Vader get over bigger in WWE? That surprised me when he went over there and he was just kind of a guy most of the time. I don't know. I know I've heard a hundred different stories, but without being having the exact scoop, I can't tell you. I don't think he got along well with Sean. Um, I, you know, I, mean, I heard they had some great matches. I, I don't know. I, I, I don't have the answer to that. I, I mean, there are so many people asking why he was why he's not in the Hall of Fame, and I, I don't know. Have the answer to that either. He he induct he inducted Stan Hansen, but they but to this day Leon's not been in yet. Well, the way they do the Hall of Fame now, with consideration being given to careers outside WWE to some degree, he should absolutely one hundred percent be in. Absolutely, and that leads me to my to my next question. Well, not my next question, but let's talk about his time in Japan mm -hmm. because he was so big in Japan. Yep. And I remember he squashed Inoki the first night in. Yes. I mean, talk about getting over. He squashed Antonio Inoki the first night in. Yeah. Well, that stuff works well in Japan. I'm not, I'm not sure that works well here anymore. It did probably years ago. But I think that um, I, I like anyway, personally, if I'm going to have, if I have anything to say about it, I'm going to have the guy at least be able to display enough of his uh, his um, enough of his skills to to show the people what what they're looking forward to seeing or what they're going to start investing their emotions in. You know what I mean? Yeah, but uh, with, 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 with Leon with the big helmet and everything, they're they are in, like in Japan. They love the they're so ceremonious, right? So all that stuff and. The fans are so wild over there and so crazy, as you know. I mean, we've I've had harder times being on last at the Budokan. It's a it's a fight to get to the bus, get getting through the fans, and they're not trying to hurt you. They just want to touch you. There's nobody trying to stab you or anything like that, like we've had here. 
in the States in the old days, but they just wanted to touch you. It's a war. Um, but, you know, you get on the bus, you start drinking beer, and head to the next town. <laughs> it, it, it's funny because I watched that squash of, of uh, Vader over Inoki. And to be fair, Vader wrestled Inoki right after he had wrestled a match before that, which gave Inoki, I guess, kind of an out. But the mm -hmm. reaction of the fans was unbelievable. They actually yeah. rioted. They threw chairs and whatnot. Oh, yeah. Which is so rare in Japan for the fans to behave like that. Not really. Not when Brody and Hanson were there. It was the same thing. Yeah, but they threw the first chair all the time. Yeah, well, okay. But no, the fans, they loved. They can't. It, uh, it's not so much that way now. But they can't get, get enough. They can't get enough of wrestling. They love it over there. They did. It's, you know, it's been diluted now, but when the two major factions... Um, right, All Japan, New Japan. All Japan, New Japan were going head up. I mean, the guys, the Americans are making big money. The Americans versus the Japanese. The Americans against the Americans. It was, it was huge. You know, it was a great avenue for guys to make a lot of side income. Now, one thing about Vader that always impressed me, and, and this ties into the Inoki match, that debut in New Japan. He was great at squash matches. I yeah. mean, nobody was better at squash matches. And uh, I don't know, are squash matches an art? I mean, is there a certain way to do them to maximize those? Uh, well, I'm not, a, like I said, I'm not a fan of, I, but if you have a guy like Vader with a little guy, I mean, you have, you have no choice. I mean, I, 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 sometimes the matches go too short, but sometimes the, the top guys are wrestling too long, especially uh, if the guy has skills but if nobody knows who he is, that makes sense. No, no, for sure, for sure. And yeah, I agree. I think there's a fine line between too short and too long. If it's too short, you don't see enough. If it's too long, you maybe expose the guy a little bit. Yeah, it's like Jack Mulligan used to tell me, Rick, you got four minutes, maybe five, to show them something that makes you different than everybody else. That and that's basically that. I, he told me that in 1978, and it stuck with me my whole life. You know, it's like it's like Ash when Ashley does that moonsault, that the corkscrew, she separates herself from everybody else. That's just one move she does. But we, then you take that with all the other stuff. I'm just using her as an example. You have a signature bump or a signature move that people like. I used to wait to see Ray Stevens go upside down. Boy, we didn't. I was out of my mind. Does that make sense? I waited the whole match for Ray to go upside down. <laughs> no, 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 no question. I know what you mean. It's like it's like when you would do the drunk fall or the turnbuckle flip, yeah, yeah, which was yeah, what yeah. Ray did. I always, you know, if I if I didn't see that, I I couldn't do near as good as Ray. Ray go over the top out to the floor every time. Well, if I didn't see that, I always felt cheated or figured you had a rough night the, the night before. Now, uh, oh, really, really? I've been there <laughs> and done that, pal. <laughs> is uh, is anybody now comparable to Vader? Does anybody remind you of Vader? You know who I thought was a little bit like Vader, and I'm kind of ad-libbing this. So our great producer, by the way, I want to thank our great producer, Steve Kaufman, because I often forget to do that, uh, does a tremendous job with, with us two miscreants. But I, I think Braun Strowman, who's not working anywhere right now, he had a little bit of Vader in him. He did. He did, absolutely. Yeah, but uh, uh, Braun's just a real nice guy. He doesn't, he doesn't have a mean streak in him. Does that make sense? Yeah, and I think that actually served Vader well, don't you? Yeah, I, I wouldn't say if, if, if Vader was half bully, half tough. No, he was more bully than he was tough. Let's be honest. No, I know. I said half bully, half tough. Right. Does that make sense? Yeah. No. No question. But it, no, he he roughed, he roughed up the guys he could get away with. With you know what I mean? But it, 
at the same time in, in this business, if you don't fight back, if you didn't fight back, you were going to get eaten alive anyway. The 70s especially. Wow. Now, we're going to move on. Uh, great stuff on Vader Nates. Great, uh, great memories there. We're going to talk about friends now, plural, because we're going to talk about your history as a tag wrestler. Now, uh, unless I miss my guess during our conversations, you don't particularly care for working tags, do you? I do with the right people, yeah. I just, you know, I, some people have chemistry, some don't. Does that make sense? Oh, no no question. And, yeah. and I, th- I, 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 I would not call myself a good tag team wrestler by any means. Why is that? Because I like to be in the ring too much. <laughs> <laughs> it's as simple as that. I never like getting out. No, but I did have a great run with Greg Valentine. So, uh, and with Rip Hawk, um, who was my first tag team partner ever, he was an older guy, a very nice and very well qualified older guy, giving me the rub. To oh yeah, where'd you get that? Shirt look, look at those sunglasses! Wow. I know, I know. I know. Do, do you still have those? I I know. No, I threw them away long ago. <laughs> <laughs> But Rip was a great guy. He used to say to me, and he always dressed nice too. So I kind of got a little of that clothing rub from from Rip, you know. But he knew all the places. I was like the young guy, and so um, and I, I loved to go out and drink and a party. And, and he, Rip just loved. He learned to love to be, hang out with me. <laughs> so <laughs> I just brought the fraternity house from college on the road in the business. Well, yeah, but the business was already a fraternity house on the road. You just you just brought your own special flair, no no, no pun intended. But by my count, you were a tag champ eight times. So you think Greg Valentine was probably your best partner? And if so, why was that? <clears throat> I think as our best partner, uh, we just had good chemistry. I, I was the guy that you know took all the bumps and flew around, and Greg was a solid grinding ground attack. Um, you know, just like his dad, you know, his dad... Um, <laughs> to say to me, but could I tag with John a lot before the before the airplane crash? And John would say, "Why do you let those guys throw you across the ring into the ropes? You'll never look back at, in the in the library and see a picture of Johnny Valentine getting thrown from a turnbuckle to another one. He wouldn't do it. He'd say, "Why do you let those guys throw you in the ropes?" I said, "Because that's what Wahoo told me to do." He said, "Well, it's not real. Nobody believes that. Who can throw you in the ropes if you don't want to go?" <laughs> I mean, John had a different John had a different mindset, but it took him forever to get over. I mean, I watched Stick took for a year to get him over. I think, my God, just laying there in that front face lock. Nah, you know, how boring is this? But when he got over, it was we were sold out. And then all of a sudden, plane crash came and you know, the, the misfortune of that. But John Valentine had a whole different Johnny, a whole different psychological point of view than I, I could ever fathom but I really enjoyed I listened to him and he was fun and uh and of course I did my best to entertain Johnny Valentine who will will always remember as one of the greats you know he wrestled Rogers O'Connor he, anybody that drew big money in St. Louis you know, was, was, a, was a top star now uh I liked you and Valentine Greg Valentine as a team I liked you and Blackjack Mulligan and you and Piper were even yeah. WWE tag team champs at one point yeah, what a rib. <laughs> Vince, Vince just said, you know, I'll give you two clowns one more day. <laughs> yeah, but it was great. Nature was, was great. No, it was fun. It was. And then, of course, we flew to Europe, right? You know the story, right? 
And the first day we land, we're going to wrestle uh, against, I can't remember who, for the titles and, and win. And Roddy got sick in the dressing room. So the doctors came, and they wouldn't let Roddy wrestle. So we did something real quick where you know, we got beaten, and they sent Roddy back to the hotel and bought him a ticket to go home the next day. And they told him not to drink because he was having intestinal problems, right? So I went back to the hotel. I woke up to his room. He'd already drank 12 beers and had smoked two joints. I said, you're supposed to be sick. He said, I'm fine. I'm fine. I get up. I don't want I'm fine. I know what I'm doing. So anyway, I kept track of him all the way till he got to Portland. He told me, this is the guy that was really tough. I mean, mentally tough, Roddy was. He landed in Terminal C or Terminal D or F or something like that in Chicago O'Hare, as you know how big that is, right? <laughs> to walk all the way down. I said, why didn't you get a wheelchair? <laughs> he got on the plane, flew to Portland, and they checked him right in the hospital. He had cancer. It was brutal. Oh, that was the first they found out about it? Yeah. yeah. Wow. Yeah, he didn't even call his wife. He didn't want to scare her. He got off the plane, went to this is the kind of way Roddy was. He didn't want to scare Kitty. He got off the plane, went and checked himself in the hospital. Nobody could find him for a week. Oh, he, didn't want scare, he didn't want to scare Kitty and the kids. I mean, they, they were that, 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 that was his, his safe place. I mean, he never brought him around the business. That was his safe place. But rather than scare Kitty, he went and checked in to find out exactly what was wrong. Now, you and Steamboat team some. How often did that occur, and, and what was that like? That, you know, the, 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 we sold out more matches. Funny, brother, Steamboat and I against Baron Von Raschke and Paul Jones, we took that around and sold out more as much as Steamboat and I did as, as a tag team. Raschke and uh, great Jim Raschke and Paul Jones, who passed away. I think Jim is still living. Oh, Jim, Jim was just, uh, Rashke was just on the AEW show in Minneapolis. He put, uh, I forget who, but he put a guy in the brain cloth for a second at ringside. Go be great. <laughs> I can't wait to see him, yeah. Um, I see him periodically, but he, he was a great guy. Um, yeah, we did great with Steamboat and Ivor Parkers. We did great. Yeah, but once again, it's two different styles. Steamboat, who can work with anybody, greatest baby face of all time. Um and I just kind of went up and down the apron and got in. I certainly couldn't follow his stuff, so I just added to what I could. But, you know, Baron was, you know, a big, you know, guy that lunged in. You came in hard. Great amateur wrestler, but you never know. He never he never took you down and rode you around like Jack Briscoe has me a couple times. <laughs> um, he just a uh, great guy. We, but we drew big money. Steamboat got over. When he got over, boy, it was it was unbelievable. Now, what's the difference between tag team wrestling or just four guys wrestling? Do you, do you know what I mean? Like, some guys turn tag team wrestling into a science. Some guys just go in there and do the stuff they would do if they were wrestling a singles match. Well, that's why Aaron didn't like being my partner. He said, you don't know shit about being a tag team wrestler. I said, you're right. <laughs> well, what, what did he mean by that? Well, because Aaron, you know, Aaron kind of came up under the tutelage of Ole, right? And Iron's favorite wrestler was Slater was completely different, totally different than Ole. But, um, you know, the Andersons grabbed that hold and rode it and rode it and rode it. And, uh, 
you know, that was that old school. The Andersons and Wahoo and Paul Jones did an hour and then an hour and a half to every town in the territory twice. Wow. Yeah. And here's, and here's Wahoo, right? We talked about how tough he was last week. Wahoo um, would drink all night. They'd play 18 holes of golf and go out and wrestle an hour that night. Then drink all night again. <laughs> when, Wah when Wahoo got uh, was diagnosed with diabetes and they, they told him to quit drinking, he doubled the dosage of insulin and kept drinking Crown Royal. <laughs> I'm not sure that was what the doctor no. would want, but, but yeah. That, that was Wahoo. You, could, well, ah! you, you, you couldn't tell him. I, I, can, I mean, the, the things that we put ourselves through back in the day is just to survive. Um, you know, I don't look back at it. I mean, I don't regret any of it, but I, you know, I, it's so much fun. But it, you, you meet so many different interesting people in this line of work, and I've seen them all. I mean, literally, I, I'm, you know, got Buddy Rogers walking across the dressing room to me. And I, I know I'm stepping off the path here, but walking up to me in the dressing room in Greensboro and saying, kid, I'm the only diamond in this business. There's only one diamond in this business, kid, and you're looking at him. <laughs> Hence, diamonds are forever. I was there you go. Then. Yeah. There you go. Only one diamond in this business, kid, and you're looking at him. <laughs> now, uh, and we're going to, I don't know if we're going to get to it today, but we're going to go over the history of the Nature Boy character. But a, a couple short subjects I want to touch on. Ricky, you took Roger's stuff to a whole new level. Oh, that's Harley, right? Harley said that. Yeah. Ricky, you took Roger's stuff to a whole new level. <laughs> now, now, here's a big debate elsewhere. Jeff Jarrett, who has a podcast, and I love Jeff and loved working with him, and what a great storyteller he is. Was Jeff Jarrett ever really a horseman? That's been a big debate. No. He wasn't. I don't think so, no. Of course, there was so damn many interchangeable horsemen at the end. <laughs> I don't know. One day, I mean, Sid was for a while. I mean, it was just, um, you know, to have such a phenomenal gimmick. I mean, not gimmick, but to have such an elite deal. I mean, to this day, I was just in Philly, as you know, signing autographs with Pete Rose. And if I took 200 pictures, uh, which I did probably 190, which they call them photo ops, a hundred of the people want me to go like this. hundred of them want me to go like this. Does that make sense? Yeah. Oh, yeah. This, this, this was still so over. <clears throat> so, you know, and it'll always be me, Arnold, until the end, JJ. So, anyway, shout out to JJ because I heard he's not feeling well. I hope he hears this. Yeah, uh, and JJ was such a big part. And it's oh, funny because huge. and we'll we'll huge. do we'll do a deep dive into JJ Dillon on a later episode. But I was shocked to learn in in, in doing some research for the podcast, Nate. JJ Dillon didn't start in the business till he was 29. What a late I start know. and to have such a long career. Yeah, you know what he did? He was booking Amarillo. He was booking Amarillo for the funks. What when, when he started? Him. When, oh, no, when I first met him, oh, right. he was booking Amarillo and working for the Funks. That was 1972. And then, of course, I, I met him, I, we got together later on in the years and that, but he, he's underrated as a manager. He's a good talker. And he got in the ring when he had to, you know, <laughs> the war games in, in Atlanta, which was crazy. You know, it was me, Iron Tully. And I think uh, Barry at that time were Luger against the Road Warriors, Sting and Dusty, right? And 
at the end, Hawk, Hawk just grabbed JJ and put him up on his shoulders, <laughs> or Animal did. And <laughs> oh, what for the doom, for the Doomsday device? Yeah, yeah, no, yeah, but we were in a cage, and JJ, they, nobody rehearsed it. Hawk Animal just grabbed him, threw him on his shoulders. Hawk got up on the top rope, <laughs> close by JJ, separated his shoulder. <laughs> he was screaming. <laughs> I just, hey. I love you, JJ, but I'm not pissing the Hawk off, okay? <laughs> well, Those, we always kept Hawk out until last night. When, when he came in there, brother, the shit was on. No kidding. Clothesline, potato, punch in the eye, nose, mouth, <laughs> until he blew up. <laughs> well, it, it's funny because whenever JJ was in war games or you had Big Bubba as war machine one time under a mask, I hate to say it, but you always knew who was going to lose. Yeah, exactly. But you know what? It didn't matter. We sold out anyway. Yeah. <laughs> hey, 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 there was a list on the wall. Dusty, Dusty Portland, if it was checked by your name, it went. I said, put a check by my name every night. What the hell? <laughs> <laughs> well, it's funny because NXT just did a war games, but they don't do it the same. I mean, I'm not criticizing it, but they, you know, I think they have an open top cage. They just don't quite do it the same. And I really like the original concept of War Games. It was so unique at the time. Uh, it was. It was, and it drew big money. With 35,000 people in the Orange Bowl. You know what I mean? I mean, it, we, it, it worked everywhere. We went with it. And it was, you know, it was, it was everything people liked. It was people that were over as individuals, people that were over as tag team partners. And, and it was blood and guts. And it was, it was in there. Those, those cage matches, when you're working with guys that solid, there, there's no time off. If you get thrown into the cage by a guy like Animal or Hawk or, you know, any of us, when you throw a guy into a cage, you know, and it, to me, if you put your hands up, you're, you shouldn't be in there to begin with. You're taking that cage full on in the face, it's a lot. It hurts. But, it, it, you know, two hours later, 10 beers in, you, you don't remember anything. So... <laughs> Well, uh, which was which was always the case, <laughs> right? Not not just beak. Iron you holler beak. Quit blow drying your hair. The bar's waiting. <laughs> well, those were the real war games, as, as far as I was concerned. Now, uh, we'll, we'll probably we were going to do a history of the Nature Boy character, but we've had so much great stuff, we might save that for a later episode. So, let's skip ahead to uh, our our weekly look at, at some current wrestlers. NLS number 65084, Equal Housing Lender. There's never been a better time to refinance than right now. With real estate being so hot, your house could be worth more than ever. SaveWithConrad.com can help you use that new equity to pay off your credit cards or get rid of your PMI, saving you thousands. Interest rates are still at historic lows, but experts expect the rates to rise next year. Let SaveWithConrad.com get you the best rate you've ever had and save thousands. You don't need perfect credit or money out of your pocket, and you won't make another payment until next year. Hurry to SaveWithConrad.com. And we got some interesting ones to look at today. I'm curious to know what you think of Darby Allen, the, the kid who's partnered with Sting and yeah, AEW. I, I, I met him. The first time I saw him, I said that this guy has no chance. He's too small. It's a little bit goofy. But you know what? He's awesome. He's an awesome worker. And he taps into that skater culture, it, that grunge type of culture. And and it, it's he's just I, – I can't say enough good about the kid. He, well, he, you, there, there's nothing you can say but good. He's a kamikaze pilot. I, 
when I watched him do that thing and dive off the rope backwards with his hands at his side, the first time I saw him do it, I came out of the chair. I mean, you talked about what we were what we were discussing earlier about doing something that will make everybody take attention immediately. And and the thing I thought last week with Sting and Darby Allen and uh, Billy Gunn and his boys, I thought it was fantastic. How, how proud do you think Billy got into those two boys, huh? Oh, no question. No question. And, 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 and Billy looks like he's 35 years old. I mean, it's great. I know that I'm I'm the older saying this, and I'm not saying it's the best part of the show, but it certainly is a very entertaining part of it. Oh, no and question. And, and, and staying, you know, I love, like, he's my own kid. You know what I mean? Well, I think Darby has gotten a good rub from Sting. I think there's oh, just yeah. enough similarity in their look and their characters, kind of the, the loner-type deal where it's done Darby and, for that matter, Sting a lot of good. But where I love the Darby Allen gimmick, and, and, and don't forget, Darby Allen was Darby Allen long before he got to AEW. He did the same thing on the independent scene. I didn't know that, no. But. Yeah, yeah, and I'll, I'll, I'll this is long-winded, so forgive me, but remember a show that I that was number one on TV for years called Big Bang Theory with Kaylee Cuoco? Sure. Okay, sure. when that came on the air, a lot of people didn't like it because it was – it was just, you know, a typical, you know, it was like a remake of Friends with different people. But yeah, I said at the time, and it was it was proved true, this is going to work because it 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 taps into nerd culture, computer culture, that type of thing with the with the four characters kind of swarming around the beautiful girl. And I said it's gonna work because it's different. It's well executed, but mostly it's different. Same thing with Darby Allen. What Darby's doing, I mean, the work's phenomenal. But that character's never been seen before. Yeah, oh, it's absolutely phenomenal. I, I I couldn't agree with you more. Now, uh, how how does a guy that small overcome his size? And, like, and, and, and he's a very very nice guy, very humble. I, I never met him, but I've been I've been told the same. But like yeah. that suicidal stuff, like the the coffin drop. I mean, that's just again, how many guys have ever done something like that? That reminds me almost of that that headbutt from the top, like Harley did. Yeah, exactly. Or and and. and I just hope that when he's 35 years old, he can walk. Yeah, I mean, that's <laughs> a legitimate fear. No, that's that's what I told Foley. I used to tell Foley, and he thought I meant, I think he's, you know, he always, like, Nick's kind of, or Mick is the kind of guy that if, if you're not careful with your choice of words, he takes offense to it. But I, I said one time we were doing a live something for a show, and I said, you're, 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 you're lucky you're alive. You know what I mean? And I meant that I meant because of what he's put himself through, not that he's not that he should retire. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. Well, I know he was he was upset about our choice of words in in the Ric Flair book. Yeah, that was a receipt. Yeah, well, I know, and I actually think the description holds. But I I think Darby Allen is is a bit more than that. And just one last quick shout out to him. Uh, this is an obscure music reference, but when I saw his name and his character, I said, okay, Darby Crash. Gigi Allen, I'm on your side, kid. And he's done nothing to disappoint me since then. Now, a guy that's not wrestled much lately, and I'm not sure if he will again, I want to talk about Samoa Joe. Yeah. Because I think he is one of the most underrated performers in recent wrestling history. Yeah, I like Joe a lot, too. Why, why, why is he not wrestling now? Well, he was doing announcing in WWE. I think he was on NXT. But I, I, I can't remember the last time he's wrestled. I don't know what the future plans for him are. I don't know either. I haven't heard, but I about, and I don't know. I don't know about his physical health either. I think that kept him out of the ring for a bit as well. Yeah, I don't have the answer. I, I like Joe a lot. I was with him at uh, 
TNA, and then of course I spent some time with him at uh, WWE when I was, you know, going over there and you know visiting with Ashley and all the kids. So um, yeah, I got I got a lot of time for him, but I think he's good on the mic. Oh, I think he's very good on the mic. You know, no, he he's he's one of the few guys that when he grabbed Lesnar, it was believable. Yeah, and when he does the real guy stuff, it's believable. Like yeah, that series yeah. he had in that one match in particular in TNA with Kurt Angle yeah. was just outstanding, and he's he's 100% believable. Yeah, and like I going back to what I said last week, those Samoan kids are not only tough, but all of them can work. They can all work, and they're tough kids. Well, his work within the context of, like, the Kurt Angle thing, who's a legitimate shooter and an Olympic gold medalist, was, again, just phenomenal. I, I watched that match almost as much as I watched, uh, like, Flair Steamboat from 89. That's how impressed I was. Well, that's not get crazy. I said almost as much. <laughs> yeah, I, I hope Joe gets one more run. Because I, I just, like, I watched him. He's great, yeah. He's, to me, he's very talented. I, I, I didn't, I knew he had a, an injury, but I can't even remember what kind it was. But, um, no, he and I have talked. I, I enjoy being around him. He's a very nice guy. Well, see, I thought when he was in TNA, I thought TNA had a better run for a while than, than it was given credit for, and I thought he was a big part of that. I just think TNA came along at a point where wrestling was kind of at low tide, especially a secondary promotion behind WWE. But I thought some pretty good stuff went on there, and he was a big part of that. No, I, I thought it did, too. I did, I, I'm glad I didn't have to wrestle with him because I was at that point – I don't know if I could handle a big guy like that. <laughs> He's a big, tough kid. Now, uh, let's talk about Rey Mysterio Jr. He, he, he and AJ had some good matches. Yes, they sure did. Sure did. Yeah, yeah, let's yeah. talk about Rey Mysterio Jr. And My boy, man. I, I remember when he was just a, literally a kid working in ECW. was the first time I met him. He was just out of his teens. And now he's still going. What a phenomenal career he's had. He's working with his son, which I know is is of great, uh, of great reward yeah. to him. But he really, I mean, we, we like to say about a million performers in age that so-and-so changed the business. He really did change the business. He did. Absolutely. Uh, if Jush and Lager, if they're going to give Jush and Lager that credit, which they have, right. or Lager, Lager for 30 years ago, then, then Ray changed it, um, you know, within the last 20 years. Sure did. Now, now, how did he, he was a guy, when I first saw him, I thought, okay, this guy's too small. How did he overcome that? Skill, skill, charisma, great gimmick, wonderful guy, great attitude, and a businessman. And he can do anything. Yeah, he really can. I mean, I've never seen any spot that he blew. And he, he's tried so much new stuff. And yeah. he, he was a real innovator, even among the luchadors back when. Absolutely. And keep in mind, he's had like seven knee surgeries. So, you know, he's not a rookie. He's... He's, he's put his body through a lot. He's another guy that I just hope later in life isn't all banged up to the point where he's not not comfortable. You know what I mean? Well, one thing I think really helped Ray, too, was for a little guy, he had a great body. I mean, even yeah. though oh he was God. small, I mean, you know, just his his definition and, and his size within the context of his bulk was astounding and still is, really. Yeah, exactly. He's always built. He, he puts a lot of time into his, his training, his physique. But you brought up a really good point. He's really having a good time with Dominique who is really, really going to be good. Uh, he's still, you know, if you, look, if, you, if you look at it carefully, I haven't watched Dominic lately, but when he first came up, he was working, you know, off his left arm rather than his right. Did you notice that? I, I did not, but he trained 
with Lance Storm. So yeah. it's hard to believe that that's the case. Well, I think he wrestled too much in Mexico. They was working with his left arm. Yeah. Oh, right, because they work from the left there, don't they? Yeah, they do. Yeah. Wow. I couldn't yeah. have, Boy, you know what? Now that you mention it, because whenever I watch like Triple A or whatever, and especially the older matches, like you know, on YouTube or whatever, with with Santo, yeah. it is yeah. weird. It is weird for like five minutes when you when you see that. Hey, yeah, and I'll give you another example. The matches that Andrade and Ray had on TV were, you know, I mean, you, if you start ranking the good matches over the years, that series was really big time too. How much longer do you think Ray's going to go? Ray's got to be forty-five, right? He'll go until you know. It's, he might. He might be older than that. I, you know, I think he'll go until he doesn't feel uncomfortable. He's 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 done so well. He he's one of the biggest marketing guys they've ever had with the company, with the masks, and he's, he's been able to be masked, unmasked. You know what I mean? <clears throat> Come back, and they never get tired of it. And he's over. He'll always be over. Okay, I got it right here. Race forty six years old. That's about what I figured. You're right. I mean. In terms of popularity, he can go as long as he wants, I think. And, yeah. I, th and I think he's going to try to stick with Dominic as long as he possibly can. Absolutely. Why wouldn't he, right? That, 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 and because Dominic will go on to become a big, huge star in his time, during his time in, in the future. I would guess, and I think this has been discussed, Nate, and it makes sense. I would guess that at some point, Dominic puts the mask on and continues that tradition. Maybe he's uh, Prince Mysterio Jr. or whatever. Maybe. I don't know. It's kind of hard to follow in the footsteps of, and, and identically trace the footsteps of someone as great as Ray. But I, Dominic's can be successful whether he puts a mask on or not. He's got a lot of skill, and and he's a big kid. He just he's just starting to fill out. Now I want to talk about Jeff Hardy, my hero. Uh, uh, just an unbelievable performer. What what's your take on Jeff as a single as opposed to in a tag team with Matt? I think the Hardys are one of the best tag teams of all time. But I think Jeff, I mean, you can make an argument for him as a single for being one of the best of his generation. Oh, absolutely. Je you know, it's funny. It's, and, I, and I don't mean this with any malice, but every time they try to write Jeff off, Jeff comes back. <laughs> you kids can't. That, that sounds familiar, doesn't it? No, no, but I'm saying, you know, you're going to put Jeff in a scenario where he gets beat one day. You'll think, why, why they do that, right? And then, Three weeks later, he's back out there, and they put him in a scenario where he's winning. And you know, even though that, um, you know, for a, a guy that's such a fan of Jeff, I don't see ever there being that low or that slump because I think Jeff is so great. I mean, the two bumps that are the most impressive bumps I've ever seen in my life, which is once again saying a lot, is Foley with Undertaker with the cage, right? Boom, and I don't mean the one on the table. The one where he went through and his teeth went through his lips and all that. And then the other was Edge, Spear, and Jeff Hardy in midair off the ladders. Oh, unbelievable. Unbelievable. I saw that and I went, my God. And I've seen some shit. I mean, that was some serious shit. And Jeff, you know, we had, I had Jeff on the podcast before. We'll grab him for one of these coming up in the future. But that kid has done some incredible stuff. And now look at Edge coming back now. Edge, I think Edge is better right now than he was before he retired. I, I think you might be right because I think when a guy like Ken comes back and has some time off and is working a limited schedule and can kind of like boil everything he does and do, everything he does down into just you know a match here and there, I think that bodes well. I think I think history's proven that, and not just with Edge. Yeah, I, I think Edge can 
Could work a full schedule though. I mean, I I know his contract doesn't call for that, but that kid's got himself in great shape. He looks good. His interviews are some of the best. I've, his interviews now are better than I think at any time in his career. I mean, I just I love the stuff Edge is doing. I can't get enough of them. Well, one thing that the Hardys did, and that Jeff in particular did, and I'm not sure if it's the case now because you know obviously Jeff's been around for a number of decades. But the Hardys appealed to kids. Yes. And, and one thing that I don't think, and, and Nate, I mean this very sincerely, because I work in real media, you know what I mean? And I think that gives me a different perspective. I don't think any wrestling company has ever taken somebody that appealed to kids and marketed that properly. I just don't think they get how to do it. I don't think they get how to capitalize on it. And I think the Hardys are evidence of that. I think a more recent example, when Bailey did the gimmick with the side pony when she first started out and you saw little girls in the crowd with the side pony, they yeah. should have perpetuated that as long as they could. And instead they, it seemed like they couldn't get away from it fast enough. Uh, but I, 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 you know, I know Bailey pretty well. I think it was her idea. Well, then it was a bad idea. Um, well, but here's the thing. You know, she's done. Bailey is one of these people that not only is a hell of a worker, but she can facilitate they, whatever role they put her in. She's damn good at the stuff that she did with um, Bianca Belair, where they were matching to have the test of strength or whatever it was a couple years ago when Bianca first came up, I thought was some of the best stuff. I mean, in a, in a, you know, for two athletes, but, you know, we obviously, we all agree, you have to have some entertainment in the show. And the stuff between Bailey and uh, Bianca Belair was really entertaining. I'm a big. I I 100 agree. I'm a big fan of Bailey. She just wanted to. Be, she wanted to turn heel. Yeah, that it was a bad move. I'm going to be blunt. I mean, you can't that that kids appeal is organic, mm -hmm. and you have to milk that as long as you can. One last thing about about Jeff Hardy, even though they're in different companies now, don't you think the Hardys will finish up as a team somewhere? I don't know where, but somewhere. Well, I don't think Jeff will ever leave WWE. Um, um, so you think Matt would have to go there for that to happen? Oh, I don't know that they'll ever end up together. I, I can't predict that. I uh, I talk to Beth and, and Jeff, you know, once a month, maybe twice a month. We're, we're pretty close friends. And uh, I don't see you talking to Matt as much. I see him once in a while, but it's not like, man, I've had more, <laughs> shocker, I know you hate it when I say this, but I've had more fun with the Hardys than was overseas tours. <laughs> oh, no, the Hardys are great. I mean, I, uh, I you know. Oh, you have no idea. <laughs> I smoked cigarettes with Jeff Hardy out on the balcony <laughs> at 3 a.m. when everybody else was sound asleep. I said, Jeff, I'm 57 years old. Why am I smoking a cigarette with you out here on the balcony? <laughs> well, it's it's funny. I I, I talk with I, I communicate with Matt uh mostly through through Twitter. And uh yeah. you know, I remember when they were the new kids and you know, I yeah. met them and they were like, you know, they were like, and, and now, you know, I'm older and they're old too, but uh Hey, time marches on. One last guy I want to talk about before we get to some. Well, wait, wait. let's just look, look. I I love both Matt and Jeff. No question. So, Me too. I, 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 and, and my final analysis of that, I just want them both to be happy. No question. They just, yeah, and, and they, I hope they end up together. And they are awesome performers. No question. Awesome. Always have been and still yeah. are today. One last guy, Mark Henry, who's uh -huh. now in a part-time role with AEW. I don't feel WWE ever got as much as they could out of him. And that wasn't to, to his uh, failing. I think they made a mistake. Remember the stuff they did with him and Mae Young? I do briefly, yeah. Well, Mark, you know, uh, first of all, Mark and I are very close friends. Um, 
he, he's probably mad at me right now because every time Texas gets their ass whipped, I text him as I do Mark. I haven't heard from either one of them recently. <laughs> so they're big UT guys, as you know. But Mark has had some bad injuries over the years. And I think that's, that, that has sidelined him a lot. So um, the main way, I, I, barely, I, barely, I barely remember that. But um, Well, it was the thing where he impregnated Mae Young and she gave birth to a hand. And it was like real lowbrow humor. And I got to tell you, I think when you have a great athlete like Mark Henry, who literally is the world's strongest man, world class. I don't think you involve him in comedy. I think that's a mistake. And once you see that, you can't unsee that. And I kind of wonder if that contributed to him maybe not being as over as he could have been, as I thought he should have been. I, I, you know, I don't remember the skit exactly, so I, I can't comment. I just can tell you he's a good guy, legitimately, um, like you said, the world's strongest man, not according to Ken Patera. <laughs> That's ongoing. Every time I see Mark, I go, Ken Patera says he never broke his records. <laughs> I, I, I don't think Mark. I don't think Mark Henry likes me. He blocks me on Twitter. I don't know why. Well, who wouldn't like you? Uh, that's what I said. But you know, you know what I think. It, you know what I think it might have been. I forget if it's his brother or his cousin. Kevin Henry used to play for the Steelers, and you know me how I talk about the Steelers. So maybe that had something to do with it. <laughs> maybe I don't know. Here's I only have I only have two wrestlers that have blocked me. Who? Mark Henry and Dax Harwood. <laughs> Who's Dax Harwood? The guy from FTR. Who? The guy from FTR. Oh, oh Dax. Why would Dax do that? I don't, I, I don't know. I th we met. I thought we got along. We see wrestling the same way. Next time I see him, I'm going to ask him because I think, you know, those guys are a great tag team. No, I do too. God, they're Tully and Iron all over again. It, this, is the, this is the Ric Flair show, but do we have time for one quick Mark Madden story? Woo! I have talked at length about wrestlers who have blown me off, Correct. Yes. Jay Lethal being the biggest example. Guess who blew me off at an indie show Saturday who? night? Chris who? Hero. Well, see, I don't know who that is. Well, there <laughs> you go. But he was in NXT for a while, was in Ring of Honor. He did a real good gimmick in Ring of Honor with Cesaro as the Kings of Wrestling tag team. Yeah. But uh -huh. I went up and introduced myself. Hey, I'm Mark Mann. used to work for WCW. He, he, he shakes my hand, goes, hey, how you doing? And just went back to what he was doing. Huh. And I almost said, you son of a bitch, I've made more money every year in the last 20 than you. <laughs> but I just shut up and went and talked to people who like me, Nate. That's how I am. You know that. Yeah. Well, hey, you know what? We can't make everybody happy. But we yeah. got a show. We're having a lot of fun with it. And oh, no question. I'll, I'll any, give... any, any, anything that's being discussed here is as legitimate as it could be. And I, no I, question. I, tr I try to give you the best possible answers. And you do. I know all, the, I know all these guys. And... Um, I'm going to give them their due if they've, uh, if it's something that they don't want to hear, you know, I, that's, that's not my fault. And don't get me wrong. I think Jay Lethal's great. I think Dax is great. I just hope we can talk that out at some point, but we'll see. Yeah. Chris Hero. Eh. But anyway, uh, we got some, this is a new feature nature. You're ready. We got some, some listener emails. Okay. Uh, excuse me, not emails, tweets. And our trusty producer, Steve Kaufman, I think it's going to punch him up. But David tweets. Who are the top five wrestlers in selling? Let's narrow that down, H. Five is too many. Let's go with currently. No, all time. Let's go all time, guys. You worked with top top two or three wrestlers in selling. Easy. Steamboat, Shawn Michaels, Ricky Morton. It's that easy, huh? Top 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 three. Um, those are the top three. I'd have to think for a second. I'm not going to argue that. Steamboat number one, Shawn number two, Ricky Morton number three. Um, 
Hmm. You know who I put in the current day? Darby Allen, who we talked about before. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but here's the thing. When you're talking about the first three guys, you're talking about 20 years of experience. Yep, yep. Uh, you don't learn that overnight, but boy, Steamboat, I mean, just in the facials and Sean, I mean, there's, I, I put those two guys in the class by themselves. I, Ricky's right there, but those two guys. Well, what I, what I hate, Nate, and we see this a lot with younger performers because they just want to get all their spots mm -hmm. in. Mm -hmm. We see a lot of times a guy will take a move or a bump that could kill him. Yeah. And they're up in 10 seconds because they want to get to their next spot. Darby yeah. Allen doesn't do that. Hey, I'll tell you, when she wants, to, when she works baby-faced, but she doesn't like to do it, Sasha is one of the best-selling people I've ever seen. Yep, yep, you're right. Yeah, she, she doesn't like being a baby-faced, but when Sasha sells, it's really convincing. Let's go to a tweet from Corey. Uh, was Stampede Territory getting cut out of the NWA Championship Tour by the time you were champ? We don't hear much about Flair wrestling for Stu Hart. Well, it, it, the true story is I just got the title and I was on my way to Calgary to wrestle and Bob Geigel called me and um, somehow, some way, um, the, the, the relationship with the NWA and I mean, I've heard different stories. I don't want to say anything that's not accurate, so I'm not going to say anything negative about anybody, but somehow there was a falling out and they called me and Bob said, you're not going or bringing in Bachwinkle. So I've heard different stories, but I don't want to, you know, I don't want to get. So you, ne you never worked in Stampede? Never. I went with, on my way. Wow. Yeah, I never, I never did. That's weird. Never, no, I never would have thought no, that. Uh, kind of like Harley missed a shot in Houston and quit using Harley. Uh, he quit with the NWA, Paul Bosch did, and then something happened in, in uh, um, Calgary with the NWA and, uh, and uh, Stu, and they brought in Bachwinkle. So that's why I never wrestled Brett early in his career. I wish I had. Now, here's a tweet from Boone. Uh, I wanted to know what the prep was like having to travel to each of the territories for the NWA. How long in advance did you know? And by that, I think he means, when did you get your schedule? How far in advance? Four weeks. I had a four-week schedule. But I mean, it never, it, never, it, never, it never stopped. They just, once in a while, there'd be a different city in there. But like, as I've said before, um, just to give you an example of an NWA week when I was a traveling champion, New Zealand, over to Sydney, Auckland to Sydney, Sydney to St. Louis, St. Louis back to Tokyo, all in one week. Wow. An hour each night. Mark Lewin, um, Sydney was... Um, it might have been Mark Lewin both nights, but Auckland was Mark Lewin, Sydney, let's say Mark Lewin, Harley, St. Louis, and then I had three hours in a row with Jumbo, um, Tenru, and um, so two hours, and I had a tag match with Baba, and uh, I think it was Harley and I against uh, uh, Baba and Tenru. Now, there were occasions where you would go to, a, I mean, uh, frequently where you'd go to one promotion for like a week and just go from town yeah. to town as well, right? Yeah. My, my favorite was the West Palm Beach on Monday, Tampa Tuesday, Miami Wednesday, Jacksonville Thursday, Sarasota Friday, the Bayfront Center in St. Pete Saturday, Orlando Sunday. Party, 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 party. <laughs> Here is a, 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 a tweet from Dan. This Take me back to Florida. This Woo! Is, well, you're there now. <laughs> the Sunshine State. This is this is a good uh, 
text a tweet from Dan. Hey, and an hour every night there. Oh, I know. One thing about Eddie Gray was the hour man. One hour, one hour, one hour. Okay. <laughs> uh, Dan wants to ask you. I, I, I had to replenish my liquids. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, sure you did. You still do. Uh, <laughs> Not till five, though. Not, Not till it's, five. It's five o'clock somewhere, buddy. Uh, <laughs> a- ask him what his forehead feels like from all the color over the years. Do you even have feeling up there? No. You always it's hit ba- the same place, didn't you? Side to side. And, and the same spot, mostly, right? Yeah, but I, but I went across, and I burp it down. That's why I don't have all those scars. Oh, it's, uh, just de- it's just dead tissue. So side to side scar doesn't scar you? It didn't scar me. But up I'm and down badly. does, right? I mean, look at Dusty. Well, Abdullah. Look at some of the guy. Uh, the Brody cut himself that way, too. I mean, I'm really lucky because I cut myself every day. I mean, I have, let me see. If I wrestled 15,000 matches, I mean, who knows? But if, I, I, if I didn't, if I didn't bleed, it was unusual. Only because the promoter told me not to. Well, and there, <laughs> I, didn't, I, I didn't know how to work without a bleed. <laughs> well, but there was a point, obviously, where it kind of disappeared from wrestling in the latter half of your career, right? Yeah. And that's good, right? Nah, I don't know. That didn't affect me. I understand. I understand. There's a lot of reasons why it was bad. Um, but I don't think I actually, when I see it happen once in a while in AEW, I think it's. I think it's good because, I mean, if you're throwing somebody into a cage, you know what happens? Do you remember when Jericho picked up the TV monitor and hit me in the head with it? Right. Okay, so I, I've never put my hands up in my life, except with maybe with Brody with a chair, because I, then I would break my hands, but at least it wouldn't break my head off. You know what I mean? When he hit me with a chair. But, um, so I didn't put my hands up, and Jericho hit me in the head, right? I got 25 stitches. So Vince goes, he, he fined Jericho 25 grand and he said, I should find you for letting him do it. I said, let him do what? I said, I didn't, I didn't, he said, why did you put your hands up? I said, I don't know. But you should have asked me that 25 years ago. <laughs> 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 but he, he fined Jericho and then Dave cut himself one night. He wasn't supposed to. And they find, he fined Dave, but he's still hundred grand. Now, here's a, a tweet from Battleship Bob, and this is, an, this is an event I remember. Ask Rick if he remembers the night in February of 87 the Jim Crockett promotions rolled into the Civic Arena, that's in Pittsburgh, and sold the place out. Probably just another night for him, but wow, as a fan, it was amazing to see him wrestle Nikita and got the DQ. Dusty beat Bubba for the bunkhouse boot. That was the bunkhouse stampede final in 87. And by the way, Nate, did you know that to this day, because there's no more Civic Arena, there's no more Igloo, it's now across the street, the PPG Paints Arena. That was the biggest wrestling crowd in Pitts, in uh, Civic Arena history. I did not know that. Yep. Wow, amazing. Yeah, I remember the night, I wrestled the key a lot, and the, those bunkhouse, like, once again, I'm going back to the creativity of Dusty Rhodes. He came up with some great themes, and uh, and we had so much great talent to pull it off. It was It was great, and we all had fun. And Pittsburgh was a fun town. That Holiday Inn bar used to be live. Well, the Marriott. <laughs> well, it was Holiday Inn first, then the Marriott. Yeah. yeah, you're not old enough to remember the Holiday Inn. <laughs> I was, I, I was there. Trust me. You, you <laughs> little just, Italy, little you, Italy. <laughs> you just didn't know. You just didn't know me then. And uh, but then our our first spot was the Marriott had that kind of tiki bar, didn't it? Oh yeah, yeah, the wine deal. <laughs> yeah, that's where me, you, and Teddy used to go. Exactly. Yep. 
Uh, Love that. See, Marriott's gone. They've gone PG now. Yeah, they really have. have. I'm I'm out of the Marriott gimmick. Now, uh, I want to throw out one other thing about that that night in February 87. 18 to 28. No boyfriends, no husbands. And and boy, they didn't need much convincing, (laughs) did they? Uh, That that Bunkhouse Stampede final, it's funny that that's the biggest crowd in Pittsburgh history, in in the arena history, because you would think Bruno would have Mm. You know, had that, and Bruno did sell out the arena a number of times. Like that night, you guys were in oh, the stand. Sure. That night was standing room, but Bruno wasn't a lock mm. in Pittsburgh to sell out simply because you saw him around town all the time. Does that make any yeah. sense? Like you know, and it was, and that was back in the days of kayfabe, and he was like, you know, when I was a kid, I would see Bruno with Giant Eagle at the supermarket. So, maybe that's why. Maybe that's why Charlotte stopped selling out because they saw me at every bar in Charlotte all the time. Well, no, they kept selling out. But, but, but that, that's that's real recognizing real right there. Now, uh, but, but you know what? You know what the you know what the two next biggest sellers were for that arena, Rick. What? After the Bunkhouse Stampede, believe it or not, Bob Backlund, two title defenses against Greg Valentine. Oh, you told me that. Yeah. Yeah, Greg Valentine oh. had broken Strongbow's leg. Yeah. Quote unquote, like he did with Wahoo in, in Crockett, same angle. And yeah. it, it made him a real credible challenger. And they they sold out for a, a regular match, then they sold out for the steel cage, too. No, I believe it. Yeah. And Greg, Greg is a very credible performer. Yeah, no he, question. He, you, you couldn't see through his stuff at all. Well, and Bob was a good champ, too. He was a yes. vulnerable yeah. champ. And that, that yeah. was that's what a babyface champ should be, correct? Yeah. You know why they put the belt on Bob, right? Refresh my memory. Because he could shoot. Oh, that's right. That's right. They didn't want it going anywhere. Bob 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 Acton was an incredible amateur wrestler. Oh, no question. He was uh, yeah. NCAA Division II national champ, I want to say, yes. once or twice. North Dakota State, or South Dakota, wherever it was, yeah. And Absolutely. back in those days, Nate, I might add, uh, I don't know if they did or didn't, but there was a time, I don't know if they did it with Backlund, there was a time when the Division II champ would go the next week to the Division I tournament and compete. I don't, I don't know I don't yeah. know if it or not. Well, you know... You you know, know you know who won? You know who won Division Two and Division One two years in a row, both t- tournaments. Remember Carlton Hasselring that ended up playing for the Steelers? Oh sure. Yeah, he won it. He won both tournaments two years in a row, maybe three. And boy, what a what a pro wrestler hit him made. I was sorry yeah. he never did more than dabble in it. Yeah, you want to hear a, a story about me? Go ahead. And, and how and how afraid they were of me. <laughs> Bob Geiger calls me one day and he goes, "Listen." Uh, they want to switch the title in Japan, Jumbo, with you and Jumbo. I said, oh, I said we're going to do it. He said, no, I told them no, so, and they're upset. So he said, uh, I said, so what are we going to do? He said, well, you're going, but I'm sending Harley with you to make sure nothing happens. <laughs> <laughs> so Harley, they sit out in the ring while I wrestled Jumbo for an hour. That Who says a lot him? about you and Harley, <laughs> I think, doesn't it? <laughs> no, I think it was implied that Jumbo could, t- could beat me if he had to. <laughs> yeah, I, I think that might have been true. Uh, Harley said, said I'd go, kid, can't this thing move along a little faster? There's cold beer waiting in the locker room. <laughs> Here's a tweet from uh, somebody who calls himself me. Ask Rick about Don Owen and the Portland Territory. Yeah, It's the least talked about, and they had a lot of talent come from there. How often did you work for Don? Because I was... I work- I Portland's worked with mostly a lot. known for Roddy. Yeah, I know. I worked with Don a lot. Um, I loved it out there. Don was a great guy. Great story. The night before I lose the belt to carry in Dallas, 
in the, in the David Von Erich Memorial, right? I wrestled Piper for an hour in downtown in the in the Civic Center in uh, not not the not the not the Rose Garden or the Rose Place, um, but the Civic Center, right? I wrestled Roddy for an hour. Special referee Red Bastine. We stayed up and drank till six a.m. My flight was at eight, so I didn't go to bed all night long. And <laughs> landed in Dallas and went into the thing in the afternoon with Carrie, and then I took off as I told you to go overseas. And Carrie missed his first shot, so they gave it back to me while I was over in Japan. <laughs> Is that why they switched it so fast? He missed his first shot. Where was his first shot supposed to be? I don't know. I, I was. It's amazing. Way. I never heard this story. Is that why they switched it back so quick? Was he supposed to have it longer? Yes, absolutely. Boy, there is a scoop here. On th that amazes me. No, absolutely. He was supposed to have it. I, he missed his first shot. I don't know where he was, and. Um, and I don't know why I missed it. Uh, like, you know, if history is any true, if there's any truth to the history, there's obvious reasons why I might have missed it. But um, God, once again, the greatest kid in the world. But then, well, we all have our demons. Um, no, so I was just going over there to wrestle Harley. We were getting paid a lot of money to wrestle Harley in Singapore and in Hong Kong. And we uh, flew back into Tokyo, and they, they called me and said, well, you're going to take the belt off Kerry. We're flying him over there now. So that's how that happened. That's amazing. There's one of our headlines from the Ric Flair podcast. Uh, Woo! Kerry dropped the title early because he missed his, uh, missed his first shot as champion. That's just incredible. Yeah, and, 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 and it could have been due to injury. I don't know. I'm just, I'm just, I, I just know he missed it. That's why well, I got it back. It was, it was within a... Within a two-week period. That I yeah, had two pass. weeks later. Yep. Might have been 10 days. I'll look up the date. We'll, we'll get it next week. Yeah. Here's here's one from Brian. And let me give the a brief because Rick was never going to be the third member of the NWO. But the, no. the, last, uh, the last part of the uh, tweet intrigues me. If Sting ended up being the third man, would the NWO have been as successful? I don't think that was ever in the cards. But uh, what if Hogan didn't want to do it? I don't know what they would have done with that. I, I, I think that they had to have Sting as the lead guy in the company to, for the NWO to fight for it to be successful. Right, which he, which, which really made him even yeah. more so than he was. Exactly, yep. Yeah, he, he did a great job with it. Well, I think the third member had to be an ex-WWE guy because the concept of the whole angle, and exactly. believe, me, believe me, I got deposed in court for eight hours because of this. The, the, the concept of the angle was it was an invading army from WWE. It had to be Hogan. Absolutely. Absolutely. Did you think Hogan was going to do it? Was there any dot in your mind as he ran out to the ring? No. He was, he, you know, he, um, he realized it was something new. And, you know, he's smart. He worked out a merchandise deal. And that's, you know, he's always been very smart. Unlike myself, and had good representation, which I've failed to have yet up until recently as an agent or uh, as an attorney making decisions. But um, he negotiated a super deal for himself and they went out and did it. But they had to have an opponent like Sting in that, yep, you know, yep. to, for them to, uh, I mean, that was really the epitome of good versus bad there. Here's a, here's a tweet from Ryan. Does he think Ricky Steamboat could have worked as a heel? No. Why do you say it, that? Under no circumstances. No, never. I didn't. I, I, I'll be honest with you. Jack Briscoe 
worked as a heel all the time in territories, but Jack Briscoe was so damn handsome. It's hard to be that good looking and have that much skill and be so soft spoken like they both were and be a heel. I, I, I just, I, I would have never bought it, you know, and I, and I, and I, I've known both very well. I was very close to Jack, as you know, and I'm still very close to Steamboat, but no, I, uh, there's some guys just can't do it. Um, you know what, who, who, who is, who is, did it the best that could be both is Sean. Yeah, for but, sure. But, but, but in real life, Sean could be a prick. That's the difference. Steamboat, there's not, there's not the word, the word prick does not exist in Steamboat vocabulary. Oh, no, I, I, well, I've been around both and I like Sean a great deal too. And, you know, he, no, no, I, I don't, but I mean, he could be an arrogant prick. I didn't mean a prick in real life. Right. <laughs> oh, okay, he, right. Uh, no, I meant he can think heel. He can be, I didn't mean a prick in real life. Oh, right. I mean, I mean you, to be a heel, you got to be a dick. So you don't think Ricky be, could think heel? No. That's interesting. I would have liked to have seen him try it. Let me, let me offer some evidence to the contrary, though. I mm-hmm. never thought Backlund could be a heel. And when he finally did it in his comeback, he was unbelievable. Yeah, but, you know, you're, you're comparing apples and oranges there. I mean, that's... Yeah, Backlund didn't he, have the look Steamboat did. That's for no, sure. Very no. few did. Who did? I mean, who did? And uh, yeah. here, here's one from Jordan. Have you seen a match from the current era that matches the emotion, storyline, etc., of your Steamboat feud? I'm assuming he means in 1989. I thought that Mr. Flair's feud with Steamboat is my all-time top three-match series as a fan. I would agree with that being the best three-match series ever, but I also hasten to, to add that, uh, and you and, and Ricky told me when I saw you at your birthday party, that you guys had matches just as good as that at house shows in the 70s in Crockett many, many times. Yes, that's true. Uh, I haven't seen a feud like that because it was the ultimate bad, the ultimate good. Um, you know, I thought the stuff with Taker and Sean was great. I mean, I, I, I know I'm repeating myself here, trying to think. I, I'll tell you, the best feud they got going in the business right now is Becky and Ashley. <laughs> Not saying it because she's my daughter, but that's to me that's the hottest thing. That I, when I do these, these when these uh, comic cons and these signings with, with like real athletes and real, uh, not real athletes with with people that are that are athletes in other sports, and they always talk to me about Charlotte. Yeah, yeah well, I'll tell you what, I think that is the best feud, even though they're not currently feuding. I'll tell you a feud but, I'm looking forward to if they do it right is Punk and MJF. Yeah, their, yeah, their yeah. promo battle. Even though they did a couple things, like like I, let me ask you this, Rick, as kind of a side note. On TBS and TNT, you're a lot of swear x amount, okay? And they use shit, and you know they had uh, Punk had the fans chanting "Needle Dick" at MJF. Uh, the Inner Circle guys always flip the bird. I just don't think that's necessary, and I think if you're trying to grow your audience, it can be kind of productive. I think if you're trying to grow your audience, you don't have to be PG-13, but you shouldn't be hard R either. I think you're super serving the fans you already have when you do that, the hardcore ones, but I think you already got them. What's your take on the profanity that, again, I think there's too much in AEW? Um, well, they're, they're doing the exact opposite as WWE. So, and Vince is not going to move off his PG-13. His PG or PG, whatever. I mean, they're allowed to say a word here and there, but um, you know, he, uh, I, I think that in, I'm, I'm sensing that in the people that run the company, Vince and whoever else, that they, 
are chasing down the advertising couple of the, the advertisers that won't allow that kind of conversation. To I got to be honest, Rick. I can't think of one advertiser in the world that would be crazy about needle dick being chanted on national TV. No, I can't either. But, um, you know, it's, everybody's got a different thought process. I'm not the booker. I'm not in charge. No, of no, no. Hey, what they um, want to do is what they want to do. And it's a great product. It's been very successful. I just, yeah. I, I don't I'll put Let me ask you this. If you had, if back when, when you did promos, if you had the option to swear or didn't, or, or, or not, what would you have done? I, ne I never did swear. That's what I mean. Yeah, I didn't. And finally, let's do, let's do one more here. And this is. I, I, I tell you something I was going to say about Punk. Now, Punk had a hell of a match with that young man. I can't think of his name. The other night, right? Oh, with Lee uh, Moriarty. Yeah, yeah. It was I, a Pittsburgh kid who was not bad. You're right. That was a good yeah, match. Yeah, yeah, very good match. But I think that sometimes that in their, in their attempt to keep him undefeated, they put him in a scenario where he's out there too long. Even though he made that kid and had a great match, I, I would have shortened it up because, I mean, if, if he's their biggest star, you know, no matter how talented, uh, is it Moriarty? Yeah, Lee Moriarty. He's he's very yeah, talented, very ta but you don't I, I need you don't need to make him. Lee Moriarty's not going to be a headliner for you probably ever. Well, I don't I don't know the answer to that because I have I don't know enough about him. But I don't think that that Punk needs to be out there that long. I think it, they can have just as good a match in a shorter period of time. I I agree with that wholeheartedly. One more <laughs> uh, tweet before we wrap this I, up. Especially especially as he's heading as he's heading into a, a match with MGM. Right, right. Uh, here's one from Slam Jam Show, whatever that is, and this is kind of a weird one. Was there ever any alternative ideas for the name of the Four Horsemen group? And if not, could you suggest what kind of name you would have wanted to use? Nate, if I'm not mistaken, there was no plan to name the group. It was kind of organic. Arn. Arn did it. And, and just a promo off the top of his head. It's all Arn's idea. He had to own the trademark. <laughs> Yeah, well, what were Arn's exact words? Um, the apocalypse of the four horsemen. Right, right. He said, there, there haven't been a group of men that have caused this much havoc since the four horsemen of the apocalypse. Mm -hmm. And then the next week on TV, people are holding up four fingers. Yeah, exactly. It was it, That was so, and you know what, Nate? That goes to show you, the best wrestling gimmicks are the most organic. Exactly. The ones that the fans don't come up with, but kind of... Kind of, and I, and I can assure you that Arn and I were out till five a.m. Went back to the hotel, took a shower, drank two cups of coffee, and Arn just thought it would come off. <laughs> Arn can talk, man. Oh no I, question. I, I, I said it before. He should be talking more on uh, AEW, in my opinion. I remember Tony Schiavone said on on one of his interviews that I think it was a week or two weeks later when 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 he said to you guys this four horsemen thing. I think you guys are onto something. And he said that you guys had no idea what he was talking about. No, we didn't. But Shivani used to like to go in a row because he always tells stories about me on his podcast. Right. Next week, let's tell a Tony Shivani nature boy story. Well, there you go. That is a great way to wrap things Tony, up. Tony, look forward to it. Something about some place we found in Cheyenne, Wyoming. 30 miles out of town. <laughs> well, that, if, if, that's not, if that's not a great tease, Nate, I don't know what is. Uh, as always, a, a great job by you. Hey, listen, if I'm trying to find something, I'm going to find it anywhere. 
<laughs> Gee, no kidding. Let me, let me, Wheeling, West Virginia. What was that place called? Charleston, um, West Virginia. What was that place called? Erie, PA. Joey's, Joey's. 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 How, do you re, how do you remember that? Oh, I don't know, because I probably spent a half million dollars there for a 20-year period. <laughs> I, I, I seem to recall that being one of my maiden voyages of being in a headlock and having kamikazes poured down my throat. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Me and Gene and I and Sherry Martels, everybody went to Pittsburgh to fly out to go overseas. And Sherry, myself, and Gene stayed there. got drunk. We damn near missed the plane to go to Europe. <laughs> Oh, my God. <laughs> well, let's wrap it up on that note before we go too far. Okay. Nate, is always great stuff. Go blue. Say it one go. time. Go blue. Go blue. Woo. Woo. That is Ric Flair. I am Mark Madden. Thanks to Steve Kaufman, our producer. And we'll do it again next week here on Steve, Woo Nation. Steve, thank you very much. Uncensored. Woo Nation. Woo. Woo.